So today, uh, we are going to end out our series we've been doing, uh, looking at the parable of the lost son in Luke chapter 15. In this parable, um, there are three different characters. And so we've taken three different weeks, today being the third and final week, to look at the different characters. We began on Father's Day, actually, and we looked at the father in this parable. And we learned and, and, and we, we, we saw that the father gives and the father runs and the father pleads, if you remember that lesson. Then we, last week we looked at the son and we learned some really important lessons about the emptiness of sin, about the need for us to take responsibility for our mistakes in our life and as uh, Lewis actually said a few moments ago, you can always come home also as well. And so we, uh, we learned that last week. And if you missed any of those lessons, they're on our website, gardenstatechurch.com. Please go back and listen to them um, if you like. And then so today, we're going to look at the third and final character in this parable. And that is the older brother. Um, and we're going to, uh, this one's a little bit more difficult, all right? Because there's not a lot of redeeming qualities about this young man. But as we take a look at it, I think there's some great lessons for you and I to learn from this guy. In fact, we're going to talk today about what I call symptoms of older brother syndrome. All right, symptoms of OBS, you can call it as well. So let's read this together and then we'll dive into uh, the passage. Uh, we'll, we'll dive into some, 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 uh, some stuff here, some insights or points, whatever I have written down here. We'll, we'll get to it all. Let's read the Bible. Luke, yeah, thank you. Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 11. It says, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything... There was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he, went, so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare. And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. For I, let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now here's our newest character, verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called to one of the servants and he asked him, what was, what was going on? Verse 27, your brother has come home, he replied, and your father 
has killed the fattened calf because he asked because he has him back safe and sound. Verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. He answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Verse 31, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Again, what an amazing parable that Jesus is teaching us. And there's so much to unpack in this parable. That's why we've kind of spread it out over three different lessons. And there's a lot of things that we can learn. But today, what we're going to do, as I said, we're going to focus on this older brother. And again, it's not a very inspiring story, really. I mean, there's not a lot of redeeming qualities about this young man. But I do think there's a lot of things that we can learn. If anything, we can look at it and we can learn what not to be like. In fact, what we're going to look at is symptoms of the older brother syndrome. Symptom number one. What is the older brother syndrome? Well, symptom number one is this, a refusal to participate. Symptom number one of older brother syndrome is a refusal to participate. So what do we read? There's a celebration that's going on for the younger brother, right? There's a big party that's going on because he has returned and, and, they're, and they're excited that he's home. But verse 28, it says when the... When the older brother realized what was happening, it says he refused to go in. It wasn't like he couldn't go in or, you know, that it wasn't able to go in. No, he could, but he refused to go in. And this is part of the older brother syndrome. It's this refusal to participate. It's not that you can't or you're not able. It's that you refuse and it's, it's, it's this idea of like drawing a line and saying, this is as far as I will go for God, but for God, I will not go any farther than that. It's setting a limit on who you will be or what you will give to God. This is older brother syndrome is refusing to participate. Now, just to clarify, all right, just to clarify, we're not talking here about the need to have boundaries in our life, all right? That's not what we're talking about. And certainly any healthy relationship has some degree of boundaries, of things that we'll let, we, we will allow or things that we won't allow ourselves to do. And we're not talking about times that maybe when we're ill or we're sick or, we're, or, or something, is, uh, something like that or we, we have some sort of contagious virus or something which we just experienced not too long ago. This is not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is a condition of the heart. We're talking about when you and I, in our relationship with God, refuse to give God every part of our heart. That's what we're talking about. In fact, Jesus dealt with a very similar situation like this. If you remember the story of the young rich ruler, 
Remember that guy? He came to Jesus and he said, you know, Jesus, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you know the commands. Do this, do this, do this, and do that. And the guy said, bingo, check, check, check. Got it, done, all of it. I've done it all. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. He says, great, that's fantastic. One thing you lack, though, one thing. Just sell everything you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. I had a professor in college that said, see, Jesus was against people having possessions, against wealth. And that's not at all what Jesus is teaching there. In fact, the Bible never teaches it's wrong to be wealthy. In fact, the Bible teaches just it's, it's a little more challenging to be wealthy and teaches us how we need to handle our wealth. But that's not what Jesus was saying to that rich young ruler. What he was doing was he was finding the line in the sand of his heart and saying, that's what you need to cross. That's that. That area of your heart that you've decided is off limits, it needs to be on limits. I don't know, is that a word? In limits. It is a word. That's right. We're just making the words up here. Jesus found where this guy said, this is it. And unfortunately, the Bible says that rich young ruler decided not to, not to give God full access to his heart. He turned around and walked away because he had much wealth. And so this is what we're talking about. This refusal, this decision to not give ourselves fully. A refusal to participate. You know, we give ourselves away all the time. We do it by getting excited in our lives about far less important things, don't we? I mean, there are plenty of things in my life, and probably it's true for you as well, that we get really excited about, things that are way less important than God. Um, You know, I was, uh, years ago when I was at Syracuse, right, David? Yep, the Lord's School. Yep, amen. Thank you, bro. (laughs) Years ago, I I may have shared this story with you, but a friend of mine invited his friend to come to church. Now, this was a friend of his that was not very fond of our church, thought we were a little over the top. You know, we, we hug, we clap, we sing. You know, we generally try to give ourselves completely to God. So he was a little skeptical of this whole thing. But my friend invited him to come to church. And he said, I'm sorry, I can't go to church with you because I'm the why. And uh, my friend said, what? He, he said, I'm, I'm the why. I can't go to church with you because I'm the why. And the why, well, what do you mean? Well, it turns out, you know, when you're watching, you know, college basketball and there's always a handful of guys in the audience that take their shirts off and paint their bodies, right? Well, there were eight guys that every Syracuse basketball game would paint the word Syracuse on, the, uh, on, on their bodies. And he was the why. So he's like, I can't go. I can't go to your church because I'm the why. But I, I find it so ironic. As my friend was telling me about it, I'm like, okay, hold on a second. You think we're a little over the top because we hug and we clap and we sing at church. But you get on national television, take you know half your clothes off, paint your body, and act like a fool. Now, you know, you know, it is for a good cause, right? Syracuse basketball, right? Amen, David? Uh, David, you got to really, come on. You got to help me out here, bro. Um, and uh, trying to convert these people here, you know? So, but it's just, it, we give ourselves away because we get excited about far less important things. And it's okay to do that. We're not saying that's wrong. Go be the why all you want. But you have the capability of also giving everything to God as well. That's the point. The point is, you can give it all. And what keeps us from giving ourselves completely to God so often is just our refusal to participate. 
like the older brother. We've got to ask ourselves these questions. Am I drawing lines in my heart with God? Am I saying to God, this far and no more, Lord? Is there an area of my heart that has become off limits to God? Listen, God is calling, but are you responding? Are you reacting? Or have you put something else to be more important in that position? Maybe it's your bank account. You know, maybe it's your possessions. Maybe it's your body. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your schedule. You know, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And these are all things that by themselves are not even bad things. But God has to be superior to all of those things. In fact, Luke chapter 16, verse 13 says, No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You and I, we have to give ourselves completely to God. We can't ride the fence because that's older brother syndrome, a refusal to participate. Second symptom of OBS. Not just a refusal to participate, but then secondly, a tendency to exaggerate. A tendency to exaggerate. Go back to our text there, verse 29. What does the older brother say to the father? It says, but he answered the father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Really? <laughs> never? I mean, those of us who are parents, you know that's, you know that's impossible, right? You know, your child never. All these years, I never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. This is another symptom we see of older brother syndrome. Is this just sort of a tendency to exaggerate. Really? I mean, listen to what he's saying. Really? Like, never? You never did anything wrong? Your father never gave you anything? Your father, you know, listen, it is marriage 101, right? That you don't ever use the words in your relationship, never or always, right? Can I get an amen to uh, one of our senior married couples here? Right? I mean, that's just, you just don't, because it's just, in a, in a marriage, you don't go, well, you never, ever did, or you always did. It's just not true. It's just not true. Nobody never does, ever, or, or always does not, you know, again, I, we're making up words, you know what I'm saying? I mean, and then we're not even talking marriage here. This guy is just, you know, th- this is what happens. Is you, you tend to exaggerate. You tend to take the past, and you change it in your favor. It is very easy for us to think highly of ourselves, isn't it? I know it is for me. I was swimming the other day at the Y, and when I got to the Y, the way they had the pool configured, right? Yeah, oh yeah, there's the Y, because I'm at the Y. I couldn't go to church, because I was at the Y. No, I mean, no, this was a Friday, it was okay. But the way they had the, I was trying to figure out why we were laughing, but uh, I see, okay, gotcha, okay, the Y, okay. I didn't realize there's a lot of, uh, Anyway, uh, but what was my story? My point is, I was trying to say that it's very easy for us to think highly of ourselves. I was swimming at the Y. I arrived, and the way they had the, the pool configured because of camp, uh, the camps they have going on, there was just two swimming lanes. One, there was a very nice 
old lady swimming in the pool and in one lane, and then there was an empty lane. So I went and got in the empty lane, and I'm swimming there next to this lady. And uh, all of a sudden, two other people show up. And if you're familiar with etiquette, you know, swimming, whenever there's more people than lanes, you just share, right? And so the two people came up, and I said to them, I said, since you're together, why don't you guys take my lane, and I'll just join in with this lady next to me. And I did. And so I got in the lane and she's swimming back from the other side. And I told her, I said, we're going to share lanes. She said, okay. And again, if you're familiar with swimming lane etiquette, there's really two ways to do it. Either you swim down on one side and then you come back on the other side when you're sharing a lane. And that way you kind of do like laps within a lane. Or you can just stay on your side and the other person stays on their side. So I asked the lady, I said, how do you want to do this? She goes, she goes, why don't you just stay on your side? Because she said, you don't, you swim at a different pace than me, she said. And I laughed and I said, well, just joking, I said, unless I'm tired, right? And then I just slow down. Yeah, you, you, got, you, you got it quicker than I got it. And then I swam off thinking, oh, I'm such a great guy. I'm such a fun guy. And I'm swimming away. And then I kind of dawned on me, I'm like, that was pretty arrogant of me, right? To assume that she was saying I'm a faster swimmer than her, right? I'm like, I guess, yeah, I guess maybe she could be faster than me. And, but then I thought that's pretty, yeah, because I just assumed that she was saying I'm way faster than her. And I even thought, look how humble I am by making this self-deprecating sort of joke to her, right? I just sort of added to it. And as I swam away, I thought, you know, maybe she meant I'm slower than... It didn't even cross my mind. It didn't even cross my mind. Well, sure enough, this nice little old lady just swam, laughs over me. I mean, just circles around me. Not literal circles around me, because we're like, but just back and forth. And I was like, I got to get out. I was like, out. But my point is, it is just so easy for us at times to think, highly of ourselves. I mean, that just came out of me. I didn't have to, I didn't have to work on that. I just immediately <laughs> thought of myself so highly and it's easy to do. And that's why we got to be careful because that can lead this to this tendency to exaggerate, especially about ourselves. Psalm 36 verses one through two, it says an oracle is within my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For in his own eyes, he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his sin. That's Psalm 36, 1 and 2. We've got to ask ourselves, do we elevate ourselves? Do we think at times, even subconsciously, even without even trying, do we, like me in the pool, do we think highly of ourselves? Or are we willing to take an honest, truthful look at where our lives really are. Because thinking too highly of ourselves can lead us, like this young man, to exaggerate. To exaggerate our situation. And let me give you a little hint. If you're sitting right here, and maybe you are, maybe you're not, but if you're thinking, oh, I'm so glad he's saying this because it applies to so-and-so. <laughs> you, you, my friend, are a candidate for OBS, if you just had that thought. Older brother syndrome, it can be seen by a refusal to participate. It can be seen through a tendency to exaggerate. 
And the last point I'd like to make from this, and really I think the most important one we learn, is older brother syndrome shows a need to recalibrate. A need to, you know what I mean by recalibrate? It means a need to reset your thinking, reset your standards. Let's go back to our text, beginning of verse 28. It says, the older brother became angry. He refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he, but he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your prosperity, your, your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. Verse 31, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. You know, when the father comes out to the older brother, the older brother has such an odd response, doesn't he? I mean, he doesn't go, oh, my younger brother's home? Yes, yeah, let's go, party, yay. No, in fact, he uses the word slavery to explain his relationship with the father. Clearly, clearly this older brother, and I think this is the root of the issue here, had forgotten who he was. And there's a need for him to recalibrate. The father actually starts to recalibrate him in verse 31 and says, whoa, whoa, no. Our relationship isn't one of slavery. No, our relationship is one of father and son. And so I propose to you that maybe the issue with older brother syndrome isn't that a person is so arrogant and thinks so highly of themselves above everybody else, but maybe they actually think too poorly of themselves. And it comes out in this sort of refusal and this exaggeration. But the truth is, they think so poorly of themselves. I think this applies to us so often. I think sometimes we think so poorly of our relationship with the Father. Oh, here comes the rain. Yes. We held off so long. We were doing great. Come on in. There's room. There's room right up here. There's no, there's no need to refuse it. Come on in. Nice and cozy. That's right. There it is. Yes. The Lord just wanted us all to sit closer together. Yep, there's lots of room right, right in this area. All right. I'll, uh, I'll wrap this up and then we can uh, pray, take communion, and then all run very quickly to our cars. Or not. Or we can hang out here in the rain. Let me get back to what I was saying. I think, that, I think that what we learn from this older brother is sometimes it's not that we think so highly of ourselves, but sometimes it's because that we think so poorly of ourselves that we act like the older brother. 
Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget who we are. Sometimes we need to be reminded. Sometimes we need to be recalibrated. Yes, we are servants of God, but the Bible is clear to us that we are his children. We are the family of God. Listen to these verses. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says, Yet to all who would receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, born not of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Listen to Romans 8, verses 15 and 17. Through 17, it says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirits that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Are you hearing that? Are you letting the Father recalibrate you right now? I mean, that's pretty powerful stuff. Here's another one. This one just says it plainly. 1 John 3, if those other ones weren't plain enough for you. 1 John 3, verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And then it says, and that is what we are. I mean, that's amazing. Let God, let the Father recalibrate your thinking. Remember who you are. We all need this. We all need to be recalibrated. We all need to be reminded. When you become a Christian, you are family. You are part of the household of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You are part of God's family. If you find yourself being difficult, if you find yourself being obstinate, if you find yourself being distant, maybe, it could be that you just need a reminder of who you are in God's family. You may need some recalibration. Older brother syndrome. Uh, This is a tough character to look at in this parable. Again, because there's really nothing positive about this guy. In fact, the story ends and he's still outside in the rain. (laughs) And the father's saying, come on in. Come on in. But the story ends with him being outside. How will your story end? Will you come on inside? Will you hear the father and listen to him as he pleaded with the older brother, as he pleads with us to come to him? OBS It's a chronic heart disorder that can have many serious complications, including numbness of the conscience, bitterness of the soul, failure of interpersonal relationships, visionary problems, loss of clarity of mind, and an abnormal fear of vulnerability. It can affect anyone claiming to be a Christian and can even be contagious, easily spread from one person to another. OBS is a potentially dangerous disorder that, if untreated, can have negative eternal consequences on the heart. But a remedy is available. With a dose of humility and a daily diet of God's holy word, the pain and symptoms of OBS can be greatly reduced. 
People who think they may be experiencing symptoms of OBS should immediately contact the great physician. Yeah, there it is. Sam like that one, right? Thank you, Sam. Let's learn the lesson from the older brother. Let's not refuse to participate. Instead, let's give our hearts fully to our Father. Let's not be prone to exaggerating, elevating ourselves, or lifting up ourselves, or making ourselves look better. Instead, let's take an honest look at ourselves. And let's not forget who we are and to whom we belong. And let's take time to recalibrate our hearts for God. There are a few things in the Bible that will truly recalibrate our hearts more than an honest look at Jesus on the cross. Jesus on the cross underscores, highlights, circles, and draws arrows at and points to your value in God's eyes. It's a demonstration of the immense depth and love that God has for every single one of us. So, in a moment here, we are going to close out with a prayer. And after the prayer, we'll take some time to take communion, have a moment here of just silence, to look around, to to look in, to pray, to really reflect, to let your heart be recalibrated to to, to the love that God has shown to you and to me. And to remember what the Father said to the Son, to the older brother, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. That's the Father. Let's pray together, and then we'll take communion. God in heaven, we are so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for how it resets our minds, resets our hearts. We're so grateful for stories, even difficult stories like this, that can show us what not to be in our hopes that we can become more and more like you and be closer to you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you also that we, that for Jesus making a sacrifice of himself to wipe away all of our sins, that through his blood, we have the opportunity, God, to know you, to be forgiven by you, to be close to you. God, help us now as we take communion, help our hearts to be moved. Help us always, God, help us always. Help us always to just be soft-hearted towards your love for us. Help us, God. We love you, and we're so grateful to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.